All right, my friends, welcome to another edition of the Mr. Short Game podcast. Today, we're going to dive into uh, the Phil Mickelson saga, which never seems to be ending. And we're going to talk about also our competing golf leagues, good or bad for the game of golf. Then we're going to dive into uh, YouTubers. Like, what about, um, are there even too many YouTubers in this space and what should we do with that? We'll get into something what I think is really interesting, which is golf and NFTs, non-fungible fungible tokens. Uh, NFTs are big talk. So what does that have to do with golf, media rights, that whole thing? Because that definitely ties into kind of the Phil Mickelson stuff. Then we're gonna, at the end, we're gonna talk more about Phil and what I think he, he might do or should do or potentially do uh, as his next move. Exciting stuff. Let's dive in right away and jump in. Phil Mickelson. Oh my goodness. What is going on here with the Phil? And I'm a huge Phil Mickelson fan. I grew up in San Diego and I've always rooted for this guy. I mean, everybody has been rooting for him. He has stuck, uh, let's say, his foot in his mouth numerous times. At, look, as we all have, all right, nobody's innocent in life. We've all messed up many times. All right, he's just a lot more of a, a public figure. So um, that that makes it, uh, he, he's got a lot more to lose, let's say, and he's got a lot of sponsors that he has to uh, answer to. So here's what the latest has been with this um, Phil Mickelson deal. We know that KPMG dumped him and Workday dumped him. What was it, Amstel Light or Heineken or both? They cut ties with him. And more, most recently, Callaway issues a statement that says, um, we don't agree with the things that Phil has said. What we're going to do is uh, pause our relationship, basically, is what they said. So even Callaway is distancing themselves from Phil. Now, is Phil getting a bad rap for this whole thing? Like, is he the scapegoat? Is he the guy that you gotta, he's got to fall on the sword? He's going to be the one. What is going on? Because, look, uh that live entertainment liv that greg norman is the ceo of which is the you know piece of that saudi golf league right now he issues a statement to the pga tour commissioner basically in a nutshell saying uh this ain't over well, this is only the beginning of the fight we're coming at you so you have Basically, who do you think you are telling these players where they can and cannot play? Blah, blah, blah. You can go online and read the Greg Norman letter. It's out there. And what's interesting is this is these things only get out there if people want them out there. So, like, where does this letter? This letter is there for everybody to see. So, Norman wants it there. PGA Tour Commissioner probably wants it out there. Everybody wants this a big public battle so it can really get uh, a lot of publicity, a lot of who knows what. But Greg Norman is, Phil, let's say Phil Mickelson's really taken the, uh, the brunt of this. And Greg Norman is really highly involved and has been pushing this thing for a long time. But really, what does this mean with Phil? So Phil is getting dumped by all the sponsors. Okay. Like if you're a sponsor, you might say, hey, dude, we're going to distance ourselves from you. And I think that the PGA Tour probably may or may not be behind the sponsors leaving Phil, meaning the commissioner. And I don't know this to be true. It's just my uh, I'm asking these questions. Is it possible that the tour, somebody on the tour, the commissioner, picks up the phone and says to KPMG, Callaway, Workday, all the sponsors, says, hey, 
we're not going to give you guys any time of day out here on the PGA Tour, any uh, TV covered, nothing from any player. We're not going to take um, commercials from any of you guys unless you distance yourself from Phil Mickelson. And they could potentially, are they potentially strong arming the sponsors to ditch Phil? So it's the battle goes beyond just uh, the commissioner and the PGA Tour versus Phil Mickelson. But then he's like, okay, I'm going after your sponsors and they're going to dump you too. So I'm going to get you there. You're going to get me here. And we're just going to keep doing this little song and dance until there's a winner and a loser. Is that what's happening? Could that be why the sponsors? Because based on what Phil did and what he said, to me, it doesn't seem like like it's not a cancel culture type of moment here where Phil did something so heinously bad that he deserves to be like ostracized and sent to a, an island to, to live out the rest of his existence. He just called out the PGA Tour. It didn't seem like it was that egregious of a crime to me that warranted all these uh, sponsorships leaving him. So that's what was crazy. Like, why is the reaction on that level so huge? There must be, there has to be more behind this story than we know. But ultimately, it's, it's the PGA Tour really holding their ground and saying, hey, they need to flex a little bit here and say, if you guys, if anybody else does this, this is what's going to happen to them to really scare people away. That's what it seems like to me. What do you guys think? I mean, comment down below. Let me know what you think is really going on here because there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. And we know uh, recent reports were that the that Liv LIV met with Jack Nicholas prior to basically offer him the job that Greg Norman has and Nicholas turned it down. And then at the uh, players meeting, this past week at uh, PGA National, basically the commissioner uh, has reportedly said to every mandatory, every player at the mandatory meeting that, hey, there's the door. If you don't want, if you want to be in a different league, get out. And look, at if I'm running the PGA Tour, I might say the exact same thing and then make an example out of, unfortunately, it's Phil Mickelson because he has been the most vocal about this. And yet again, I just have to ask, like, is the punishment, does it meet the crime here? Does what he said and did warrant sponsors dumping him left and right? He just called out the tour. It's not like he uh, did some horrid crime out there against another person, against society, against all of us. He just is calling out the tour for what he calls them to be greedy. And yet he's being greedy at the same time. I think we can all look at that and as rational human beings say, okay, what's happening, Phil? Why are you acting so crazy here? This doesn't seem like, uh, like you're being greedy and yet you're calling them greedy. And that that's a lot of time that is exactly what happens is we say, hey, you're this and you're that. So we're going to do we're going to call you out. And so that seems to be what happens is like, hey, if you're if you're greedy, you tell you say other people are greedy. And that's what it seems like Phil is doing here. And it, it's just it's kind of unfortunate that that is what Phil is uh, is is getting kind of the bad rap for. So what should what should the punishment be for Phil? Well, I don't know what it should be, but I would assume he's going to have some type of major suspension from the PGA Tour. Major suspension, meaning a year or six months to a year. I don't believe people were talking lifetime ban. It could be. I don't think they're going to lifetime ban the guy, but I would assume he's going to have probably a year suspension. So Phil is already 51. What does this mean? Are we going to see him at the Masters? Not technically a PGA Tour event, but 
I don't think the Masters wants to get involved in this and entangled with the PGA Tour and have any type of issues with anybody. They don't necessarily need Phil at the Masters. So I would imagine we're not going to see Phil play the Masters. I don't think we're going to see Phil defend his PGA Championship title. How sad is that? That's just ridiculous. But it's seems like he's going to have a long-term, probably a year suspension. So that leaves us to wonder, what is this guy going to do moving forward? Champions Tour? Well, that's part of the PGA Tour. So he's he, we're not going to see him there. Where are we going to see Phil? And I, what would you do if you were Phil in this situation right now? Does he double down? with the Saudi league at this point, he's kind of issued a sort of apology and sort of meaning like, it's kind of like when my kids do something bad when they were little and they said, Oh, I'm sorry that you got mad. You're sorry. I got mad. No, I want you to be sorry that you threw a rock through the window. That's what you're sorry about. No, well, I'm sorry. Your window broke. No, that's not, that's kind of what we got from Phil's, social post of his apology like all right hey i should be a better person i'm gonna work on myself i'm gonna take some time i'm gonna step away that that all means that the tour suspended me or i'm being suspended that's what that means i'm taking some time to step away equals suspension that's where i take it so when we can assume we probably can assume he is suspended for a period of time and I would imagine that may get longer based on what's to come in the near future. So we're going to keep an eye out, keep a lookout, keep a watch out for what's happening with Phil, with this league. But we know that from Greg Norman, this is only the beginning. And if you're Phil at this point, you're kind of, you, you either have to come back to the PGA Tour groveling in full-on repentance mode. I'm so sorry I made a mistake and totally 100% distance yourself from the, the, the LIV live and Saudi league and really come groveling. I don't think that's kind of what Phil is going to do. I think he kind of issued this statement. And now I would imagine he, we're not going to see him for a little bit and then he's going to come back probably with the Saudi league. We'll see. What would you, what do you think he's going to do? I want you to leave that in the comments and it's, I don't know. It could be uh, pretty exciting times here uh, in the world. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. So that leads into this. Are competing leagues on the PGA tour, are these good or bad for golf? Let me know what you think. Let me know, are, are the competing leagues, should we have those or should we not have those? Like, okay, think about other sports, like, like where there's competing leagues. I guess um, boxing is a, a okay an example. You have different belts that you can win, right? Uh, I don't, I'm not a big boxing, you know, this belt, there's like three of them or so, and so, you could be the champion of two and another guy could be the champion of one and then who, but you don't have an, like an undisputed champion. And it kind of like, these guys are fighting for this belt. These guys are fighting for that belt. You, you have that in, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, cage fighting as well. You have like, uh, uh, MMA and, and, uh, Bellator and you've got different kind of, uh, you know, fighting leagues, right? And it, it does dilute each one. Like where is the best fighter fighting? So these competing leagues can be challenging in the sense of, hey, I, I don't have the ability to go from this league to that league and jump back and forth and, you know, fight these guys or fight these guys. You're either part of this group and you fight amongst here and some people would just consider that, well, that's where the best fighters are. But then somebody rises up in this league and then, well, that's where the best fighters are. And it can go back and forth. Ultimately, it could dilute the sport. So we don't have that in most 
sports like football there's the nfl and there have been competing leagues like that have tried to come about like the xfl and they would do it during the off season of the nfl and but is that really competition you know because if you're on the in the nfl we all know well that's where the best players are and then any other league would be kind of a, a minor league team or you know something where these guys similar to let's say the canadian football league where hey they play there and they're they're trying to work their way up to the nfl so that's kind of what we see when we have competing leagues now is that it's it, it's more like a minor league version of that but in that in those regards it's these are team sports. These players aren't necessarily like on the PGA tour. You're an independent contractor. So you're, you're like a free agent. You get to do what you want, when you want, wherever you want to do it, sort of right with the PGA tour, you're an independent contractor. So you get to pick and choose your tournaments. However, if you don't play in a certain amount of tournaments on the PGA tour in a given year, then you aren't uh, given certain perks money priority in tournaments you uh forfeit your right to play in other events so there's and they do this because they want to keep the best players playing consistently because they want viewership and let, let's face it okay the pga has built the pga tour and all the other tours that are associated with that, right? The European PGA Tour, the Champions Tour, the LPGA, the, the all the all the other tours that feed into the PGA Tour. These are all part of the PGA, and so the PGA has done a phenomenal job of building a platform in which these golfers can make a great great incredible living they've built it and they let you in if you're one of the best players in the world to play and make tons and tons of money which phil mickelson and many other people over the years have done and guys like greg norman have wanted to do other tours uh over the years right that's why probably greg norman has still got something against the pga most likely i would assume he does because he in the 90s wanted to start the World Golf League and the PGA at that time said, uh-uh. And they strong-armed him and did everything they could to uh, make sure that that didn't happen. They did make sure that didn't happen. And then they had their World Golf Championships kind of birthed from that. So they basically it's you know took what he wanted to do and made it part of the PGA Tour. And so change had come, but Greg Norman has really never been a part of that. So he, I could see he, the, the, maybe some bitterness in there. Well, who knows what's going on? But nonetheless, the PGA Tour has built this. What is it? What do you want to call it? A monopoly or whatever. They have built this platform in which you as a uh, player can come in and compete for millions and millions of dollars every week. So they should own all the things that are associated with what they created and they do. So even let's say uh, I had my media credentials at one point on the PGA tour, but it was so frustrating because I had a media credential and I could not post any content to my social media that was out of bounds of what they said I could and could not post. And there was only certain areas that I could film anything and post that to anything social media to the point where like I was so nervous, I would film and make videos. I sent it, I would send it to the, um, the media personnel in charge just to get uh, a, a check off. Hey, is this okay? Can I have this in there? And so I actually sent a video to them. I got a check off. Yes, take this shot out, but the rest is good. I did that anyways. They canceled. They ended up canceling and revoking my media credential because 
in the, in that video, there was some stuff that they said I couldn't post. And so I was like, man, this is ridiculous because what I could do is just buy a ticket and stand two feet from where I could stand with my credential and film whatever I want and post that wherever I want on my social media um, platforms. And who cares? They, they were doing that. But if I had a meter credential, I couldn't do it. So the PGA Tour makes sure that whoever they let in, that they own and control all the media rights that are there. Now, it's frustrating. It was frustrating for me at the time. And I know it's been frustrating for other people in the same regard. And it can be frustrating for all the players because if Phil wants to uh, own a video of him hitting a shot somewhere on the tour, like, man, I really want to own that shot because that's one of my favorite shots. It means a lot to me, whatever. He can't. The PGA Tour owns that. They own it. And not only do they own it, they license it out and sell it and license it and make millions and millions and millions of dollars on it forever. And Phil can't do that. If he wants a, a photo or if he wants to license his own likeness from an event, uh, something that happened on tour, he has to pay for it like anybody else. He doesn't just get it. Even though it's him, he doesn't own it. So that could be frustrating, but the PGA Tour at the end of the day created this whole thing they started it. They have nurtured it for many, many years and made it what it is today. Let's face it. Golf is boring for the most part on TV. And it's on for like four days before we see a champion. It's boring. Many times I'll have golf on. I'm taking a nap for most of the round. That's my nap time, Sunday afternoon. And many times there aren't even exciting players in the Final. It's only when there's somebody like, oh, I finally get to see somebody exciting. This is exciting. And there's one guy that I like and the rest, I, I don't know them because they are rarely ever in contention. It's boring. But yet think about what the PGA Tour has done. They've outperformed uh, many other sports to take the uh, lead, the advantage here. And they built this platform where people watch the whole world is loves golf. Many people play golf. And so they have created this platform. They have earned the right to own it. If you want to own it, create your own platform or go join a new platform, make it whatever you want and do whatever you want with it. Don't talk trash and bad mouth and come after them because you don't like them. Go do your own thing and then do that. And guess what will happen? There will be people that don't like it and they'll say things about you and then you could defend it uh, at that time. It will come full circle. It always does. However, the PGA Tour created the PGA Tour and you as a player, if, you're, if you make it, which is very, very difficult to do, they give you an opportunity to make millions and millions of dollars. And if you're this fantastic, energetic media darling, you're going to make even way more money on sponsorships. So why don't we forget about all the competing golf leagues? They are good for the game of golf. I think the competing leagues are great, but don't forget what the PGA Tour has done. And ultimately, it's up to you to be the best you can be and be attractive to companies for sponsorships, which is what? Engaging personality, exciting stuff, great play, all that stuff that um, Phil Mickelson has given us over the years. And then, you, you know, you, whatever, you bite the hand that feeds you. That's not the coolest thing in the world. But the competing leagues, anytime there's competition, it's good because it creates change. It makes you better. It makes you better. When I have competing people, when, I, when I'm competing against somebody, I work harder. I focus better. I, I go after what I want with more intensity and intention. So I think we all do that when we love something and there's competition. It makes everybody better. So the more the merrier. And if you want a better league, go do it. Rock and roll your thing. And we'll see what happens. What do you guys think? Leave a um, comment below. Are competing leagues good or bad for the game of golf? I get this question a lot. Message. 
to me all the time on my main YouTube channel is, Matt, I'm thinking about getting into uh, golf YouTubing and I, what tips can you give me? What equipment are you using? What, I get, I get it all the time. There are new golf creators jumping on the YouTube platform every single day. The question is, are there too many? Are there too many YouTubers, golf YouTubers, clogging up the airways? And is it making it just like all of a sudden, like, what are we doing? Like, what is this right? Is this wrong? Do we need that many? What are we doing? So um, what do you guys think? Are there too many golf creators on YouTube? Personally, like, I like it. I think that's good for golf. Here's why. Everybody's going to do their content a little bit different. Okay, so I do some instruction. I have a unique way of delivering instruction that I think uh, not only is, not only works the best, but it's also engaging and entertaining. So I do that. I also do some other, uh, a lot of product reviews because there's so many products out there. I wanna be able to inform people of what's good, what's bad, and what's just genuinely, generally out there for that you may or may not know about. This could help, this might not help. This helps some people. Just because I don't use a product doesn't mean it's no good. It means that maybe I just don't need that product. There's products that I was like, oh, I'll never review this product because I would never use that. But then the, the vast majority of people might benefit from that just because I won't, wouldn't doesn't mean it's no good. So I've kind of removed myself from that aspect. There are products that I turn down reviewing a lot because I get it and I tell people like, they want me to review it. I'm like, all right, send me the thing, but no guarantees. And I look over that and I use it. And I'm like, this, this is, this is no good. This is no good. There's many products like that. And I tell them, I'm like, Hey, I can't in good conscience. Like I, I, I just, I'm going to have to give it an, this is the review. I'm going to have to give it. If you're okay with that. Cool. And they're like, ah, all right, we'll just pass. Okay, cool. And then other times I just, start turning down more and more products being offered to me because I would rather just go buy it and then give it my real review because I want people to know what I think. Like this is no good. Don't buy this. This doesn't help. This will help this tiny segment of people. This will just help nobody and, or instead of buying this, here's something for 50 cents that works way better, save your money. So I like to be able to have that freedom to be able to do that. Um, so that's what I do with the product reviews. I obviously do these private club tours that are super fun and I've kind of created like a, a way in which in a format I do those. I'm sure somebody will exactly copy me. They might even make it better. Okay, cool, then I'll have to step up my game. At least I was the first one to do that. And I'm trying to look for new and creative ways to deliver golf. But there are plenty of creators who do a great job at delivering the game in a fun and exciting way. So for example, like I really like the fact that um, the good, good golf crew is doing what they do and they're crushing it. And I love that. I love to see that because I know at some point those guys that are in watching that, they're, they're going to need some golf instruction. And I know they've got like an instruction arm of one of their uh, guys. But again, you start watching instruction. Not one guy has the corner market on everybody. I know that my instruction helps certain people and some people don't like it. And I know that. And it's not for everybody. And instruction, I always say instruction is very tricky because there's like three kinds of instruction. There's like this in-person instruction, all right? That's one way. Like if, 
If I was working with somebody in person, it would look a million times different than it does on my YouTube channel. Okay. Then there's online, let's say membership platform. And what's cool is my online membership platform looks different and I'm different than my YouTube videos. And then there's YouTube instruction. And what I found is most of the time instructors try to do YouTube instruction the same way they do in-person instruction. And it's just really boring when you're watching it on the screen because it's just so it's too impersonal. And so it just, for me, it never worked. So I tried to deliver it in a way where it resonates with people and they connect with it. So there's, there's that piece of uh, YouTube. So the more creators we get, right? The more opportunity we have to help the entire golf YouTube uh, community grow. So, you know, people are going to just gravitate and find and land at different people based on their viewing patterns. So if you were brand new to YouTube, you first time you ever logged on the internet, you logged on and you're like, okay, open up youtube.com and uh, you're like, oh, what do I, what do I want to be interested in today? You know, oh, I golf, I, I golf, golf, um, golf tips. And you type that in, right? Okay. So I, I may or may not come up, right? Some just YouTube's going to serve out somebody based on what they know about you. And believe me, they know a lot about you. So it may or may not be me, but what happens is the more golf creators there are, right now YouTube and its algorithm is able to give you as a new person on the platform something to watch or if you watch let's say you're just into a gardening all day and you and then all of a sudden for the first time ever you you, you golf well they're like oh okay based on gardening and now he likes golf we're gonna give him this this guy and so there might be the perfect guy for you to help you with your game and that could lead you to me or to wherever, but the more there are, the more opportunity there is for all of us to grow. So I'm a big fan of, let's say, um, more golf creators. Again, it's competition. It's not competition. Okay. That's where we have to kind of look at it. Uh, the golf industry is full of people who think that if I'm that this is how the golf industry works. If you're a teacher, most of the time, all right, this is what I found. This is what I did not like about your traditional golf instruction is this dude is teaching golf at this range. So they don't want to hire another guy to teach golf at that range because this guy that's there will say, no, this is my turf. He's going to steal my business. It, and it's just real territorial because it's competition. And that's what, you know, when I started getting into, into golf, I, I thought I wanted to teach at a range because it would be real collaborative like YouTube is. Well, I, I couldn't have been further from, you know, from reality. Like they don't want you there because they feel like you're stealing from them. And I would always say, well, how do you know I'm just not going to bring in a new uh, batch of clients and that we can all grow together? And they're, no, it doesn't work that way. I said, well, that's ridiculous. So that's why I don't say we're competition. We're collaborators. The more there are on the platform, the better, because also I, there's going to be stuff that's brand new and creative. Like if you just come on and want to create golf content, you're just, you have nothing new or creative to add. You're just copying everybody. Well, you're not going to be successful, but if you do something new and original and you bring you into it, that's going to resonate with a lot of people. You're going to have success and you're going to grow. And then you're going to help the entire pool of golf creators grow. So for that, I think it's great. You look at, you know, the vlog space, the DIY, the how to all these, uh, the makeup, I'm not watching many makeup channels, but there's more and more people getting into this YouTube space and it just helps the entire uh, platform grow. YouTube's really early, still early on in its lifespan. It's not going anywhere, I don't believe. And so I think it's going to be around a long, long time and it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. And with that, it's going to 
things are also going to evolve from that. So the more golf creators on the platform, I believe the better, just be original, bring your own voice, bring your own, uh, flavor to what you do. And I think if you're there, you got to ask yourself, why are you doing it? I always ask every day, like, why am I here? What's my goal? What do I want to achieve? And it's not like, oh, I want to make all the money and get all the views. It's like, no, my ultimate goal was, Hey, I want to help you. I, I believe I have, uh, a, a, a way for people to enjoy golf and get better at golf. And that's what I want. I want people to get better. And I believe I, I can help them do that in a very simple and way that's faster than many other ways. So that's why I do what I do every day. It's like, okay, this video will help these people improve in an area that I know they struggle in. And that's why I do it. And, or this private video, this tour, man, I know this encourages a lot of people. I know a lot of people love to go inside a place they may never get an opportunity to get into. And I know when I was younger, and just getting involved in golf, I was like, man, I'll never be in one of those places. And so if I could have seen it like this, I, it would have motivated me to be like, all right, so I got to figure that out one day. So that's why I do what I do. And the more the merrier and good luck to everybody. Let me know what you think. Comment below. So media rights, Phil has with his whole debacle and craziness that's happened on the tour recently media rights has really come into question people are like well, what does that even mean what are media rights why do you want to own your media rights and what are those and so i wanted to talk about kind of the future of what i think where i think golf is going and these nfts which are non fungible tokens. What, what is that? Right? I mean, it, it can be confusing. Like uh, a fungible token, let's say is like a hundred dollar bill. I have a hundred dollar bill and it could be uh, a bunch of, it could be some $20 bills. It could be a bunch of $5 bills. It could be a $101 bills. It, it's, it could be broken up into many different pieces. I could have a hundred, I could buy this for 50 and I have $50 left. Okay. That's a fungible token. A non-fungible token is like a painting, the Mona Lisa, right? It's, I can't take a cut out of the Mona Lisa and then give it to you and well, that's worth this amount. No, the whole thing's worthless now, right? It's, it's one piece and it's non-fungible. So media rights and NFTs, which they're commonly referred to, are these, are ways in which like, like a Bitcoin is that's a fungible token, but it's a, a Bitcoin blockchain uh, piece of value. Okay, so an NFT is the exact same thing, except it's non-fungible, meaning it's like a digital art, and it can be it's blockchain, and so its record and its history is forever in the computer blockchain world, unhackable supposedly. <laughs> I think these things are being hacked lately. Well, who knows? Nonetheless, all right, we won't dive into that, but what does this do? Okay, so if Phil Mickelson owned his shot, let's say of him at Augusta on 13 that shot through the pine straw onto the green, which he missed the Eagle Pub, but it may birdie, whatever. Uh, but that shot, we all have the famous shot, right? If he owned that video of that shot, right? Now I could, I could record it on my phone and sort of own it, but I don't own it, right? Um, so if he owned that piece of media, this is this is why these competing golf leagues are are interesting and something the PGA Tour, who knows what they're gonna do with this or not gonna do with this. But if there was another league where they said, hey, all your digital media, you own a piece of that forever. Well, well, see, that's incredible. Here's why. Because if Phil owned that shot, right, then every time it gets licensed to somebody, right? Well, 
it's blockchain, it's on the blockchain, so there's a record of it, and that person used it for a commercial, or whatever. Well, Phil could get, Phil could get a piece of that action. He'd get paid for it, right? Because he owns that digital media, a piece of it, or all of it, or whatever portion of it there is. Well, he could pass that down to his family forever, generation, like for eternity. That could be in the Mickelson family or until, you know, one of his great grandkids is um, down and out on his gambling debts and sells it off or something. I mean, who knows, right? But you, you get the idea. Like that's an NFT that that can be uh, one of those things that these competing leagues, the Saudi league could offer people to attract them to come into their league. Right, so you're not gonna get the best players in the world, but if you get these kids coming out of college, you could get the best players in the world, but to attract these kids coming out of college, what a great like little bargaining tool of, hey, hey kid, number one amateur in the world, instead of going to the PGA tour, let's think a little more long-term. Let's think about your kids and your grandkids and their grandkids, and let's think of eternity here. When you win this, you know, tournament that's basically the equivalent of the masters and all your shots that are, you know, historic shots like tigers chipping in on 16 and you know, that ball's hanging on the edge, that shot. Well, that piece of media that's going to be tied to you for eternity. So you might've won a million dollars in the event, but just think about the history you're gonna have of making money and your kids and their family for all eternity because of this digital, really digital art. And it's a blockchain, it's an NFT, that is what it is. And so whenever that's licensed or sold, or you always own that, you own you, essentially. And so this is, in my opinion, the future of golf and really media in general. If you can negotiate this kind of stuff, now you couldn't really do that yet with like the NFL because the team basically has your rights. So you're a, the team owner, so, but the team owner could own that. And then it could work its way down to the point where if the NFL allowed digital rights to be pieces of digital rights to be owned by other people, you could potentially own a piece of your own digital rights. This is uh, like, um, let's say the master's ticket, a master's ticket, your plane ticket. It's in your wallet on your phone, right? That's an NFT, that ticket. So your ticket to the masters. Well, let's say they hire an artist to draw and make this cool ticket and it's a digital ticket and you have it in your wallet on your phone can't bring your phone to Augusta, but whatever, let's say you can, and you show them your ticket digitally, right? And then that artist goes on to do some amazing things. And you've got 40 tickets of the masters on your phone that are NFTs that you own. You could sell those and they could be a value, especially if that artist goes on to do bigger and better things. So there's always these things that are, um, that are kind of cool with NFTs that are just really new in this world. And when we talk about digital rights and golf digital rights, it's very interesting because golfers are independent contractors and they come into the PGA Tour, they basically give up those rights to everything. They're saying PGA Tour, you got everything. And there's really no negotiating that's where it's not about money now. And I think that that's, that's where we kind of get stuck. It's like, oh, it's just about a ton of money. Why are the Saudis offering Bryson $135 million? Well, cool, he gets that reportedly for coming over. I mean, man, I that's hard to turn down. But if they give him digital rights on top of that, or if they give everybody else digital rights also, when you come over, man, that's difficult to turn down because that's the real true asset. Think about it. They're still showing clips of Jack Nicholas 
Jack Nicholas doesn't own that. The PGA Tour owns that. All those clips of Greg Norman, Lee Trevino, Tom Weiskopf, Sam Snead. I mean, all that. Those Ben Hogan shots you see. Ben Hogan's family's not profiting off that. The PGA Tour is. So this is where NFTs, especially in golf, where these players are independent contractors, they're going, they should negotiate in some way. And that's where I think these competing leagues really truly have an, a huge uh, bargaining chip when it comes to attracting a lot of these players because it's not just about, hey, there's 50 players, no cut, everybody's guaranteed money. It's, hey dude, if you hit a hole in one and everybody goes berserk, you own that digital media, that there's an NFT associated with that that is yours. You get that, there's a piece of that that you have ownership to. So it's kind of like owning a piece of stock, like not just in that league, but yourself so that you have something like lifetime forever and your family has something. So that's the future, in my opinion, of why these competing leagues and NFTs are really going to shake things up in the world of golf. So with everything that has happened to Phil Mickelson, what is the future for Phil Mickelson? What is he going to do? Here, here are some of my thoughts with that. All right, first things first. He could either get down on his hands and knees and beg the PGA Tour, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I'm a, I've got a lot of stress and just beg for forgiveness. It, it doesn't seem like that's kind of Phil's, Phil's deal. He might. He could say, just hey, forget you. I am going uh, all in. I'm going to be the bat, the bad guy maybe, I guess. Who knows? I'm going to go all in Saudi league. Forget you guys. Now, we don't know Phil's financial situation. Could be good. Could be not. Uh, it, we think he's made a ton of money. We don't know how much money he's lost, right? We don't know that. We know he's done quite well. He's all right. All right. So there's a lot of rumors flailing about. I don't get into that stuff. But we do know he's made a ton of money. So we're under the impression the Saudi league that he's involved with, uh, he's going to make or he would make a ton of money there as well, right? Okay. So he could either cut ties with Saudi league and go 100%, I'm sorry, PGA Tour, or he could say, forget PGA Tour, I'm going 100% Saudi league, you know, and just kind of flip the middle finger to the PGA Tour and say, I'm, I'm all in. Let's go. Jump on there with Greg Norman and say, uh, I, 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 I'm, with, I'm with Greg Norman. We're going we're gonna to shake these things up. Or, Phil, hear me out on this. Or you could do something totally, totally different and grow. Now, you have your own brand, right? You got your little jumping guy. That's awesome. You could. And what do you guys think of this? It's Phil going to be a YouTuber. What would that look like? And how would that go over? Phil becoming a YouTuber. We, we know he's going to be suspended from the PGA Tour, so he's not going to be able to play on the PGA Tour for very long. Hey, Bryson DeChambeau already has a YouTube channel. He's doing his thing. And he's got he's got his channel. He's got like two or three YouTube channels, at least two. So he, he's doing that. What Will we see Phil YouTubing. Now, Phil, if you are, I, I just I I would love to YouTube together. Like we could do something together. We could we could collaborate is what I'm saying, Phil. Like I think that would not be the worst, not forever, just I'm just saying a few videos or something like that. Like maybe I can help 
give you a, a jump start in viewers or something. <laughs> I'm joking. But I would think you'd pass me in probably in week one. But I think Mr. Short came and like fell the short game master, right? You are the, the short game guy. I, I think there's a good like synergy we can rock and roll there. And I would love to see you YouTubing, collaborating. Phil, even I've talked about this on the podcast that we should have a YouTuber golf league. You can like be the commissioner of that bad boy. You could set all that up. You can like do it the way you want to. It'll be more of an entertainment YouTube league with a bunch of us just content creators. And you can like be the, the main guy, right? Now, look, you're not gonna make the money you'd make on the Saudi league or the PGA tour, but if you don't need the money, it could be a fun uh, uh, little adventure for you. It could be something that could grow. I mean, who knows? It could grow into something. You gotta think, uh, you gotta be an innovator. I'm sure like uh, Elon Musk, then maybe they didn't know like at first how big SpaceX or Tesla was gonna, you know, turn out to be, but who, I'm, well, they probably knew a little bit, be a little bit better than uh, Phil's YouTube golf league. But I mean, who knows? I think, Phil, that it wouldn't be horrible to see you on the YouTube platform. I think that could be something that would be uh, exciting. Your, your short game, you've already done uh, Secrets of the Short Game. So you've already done, but you know, a lot of people haven't seen that. These kids, they, they don't see that stuff. They're not buying a DVD or anything like that. They're watching YouTube and you have a lot of great uh, instructional stuff. And just think about it, like going into your world, you're doing your YouTube thing, like that could be, that, I'd watch it. I think that would be cool. And we can um, we can do some short game stuff, right? You got your hinge and hold. I'm not a big hinge and hold guy, but we, we can kind of do a little battle there. I'm sure you'd win, but you know we can show the people what the difference between the two is. You've got a lot of, uh, of knowledge. And I think this would be a great way to just do you, do you. You can do your own thing. You can take people where you want to go. Do what you want to do. I think sponsors would come back like because you're just you're a YouTuber. I forget it. Like you're not doing Saudi. You're not doing this. You're not competing per se against the PGA Tour because all of us YouTubers actually feed interest into golf, which ultimately feeds into the PGA Tour. So you you kind of be helping them. And even if there was a Saudi league, like the YouTubers would also feed viewership. We feed viewership to golf. We don't steal it. So I think, Phil, if you're listening out there, I would love to see you. I'd love to see the Phil Mickelson YouTube channel. That's that's where I think you should you should land right now. All seriousness. Sounds funny, but it's not. It's for real. So do it. Come on, Phil. Let's collaborate together. Let me know what you guys think. Comment below. See you soon.